This is Church Tech Profiles, episode 17 for the week of February 22nd, 2021, James O'Rear. Well, welcome everybody to another edition of Church Tech Profiles. I am Van Metzke, your host, and so for the past two hours, I have been talking to our guest, and <laughs> we decided that maybe we should hit record, or we're just going to run out of time. James O'Rear is one of the worship production guys at St. Andrew's UMC in Plano, Texas. How you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going, Van? So James and I have, have kind of known each other. He used to be a SoCaler. He grew up here, not too far away from me. So we've been talking, I, I was, we talked a little bit while he was here and then we weren't doing the podcast anymore. And now that we're doing the podcast again, I'm like, you know, I got to have, I got to have James on. And it's really funny because I keep seeing his posts on social media and then his name just kept coming up in other conversations. So I'm like, eh, I better get a hold of you and... <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it was all good stuff. <laughs> Always good stuff. Always good stuff. But uh, we've been talking, uh, catching up. We really haven't talked to each other in a very long time. So it's been about, yeah, it's been like two hours. <laughs> it's been actually more than that. <laughs> so anyway, I thought, well, we better probably turn on the uh, recorder. So now you guys, you've been, how long have you been in your job at St. Andrews now? So I took uh, my first Sunday at St. Andrew was August of 2018. So been there, what is that? Uh, two years and seven, eight months or right. so. Yeah. And what, so you're on worship production, but what does that mean? Like yeah, what, so when what I is first, your actual job? Oh, yeah. It, it's kind of changed over time. Uh, when I first got hired, it was the, uh, um, contemporary because there's traditional and contemporary at St. Andrew. Um, it was the contemporary worship producer role. And I, I mean, if you're anything like me, I mean, question marks are just literally popping up all around your head right now. Like what, what does that even mean? Right. So the worship department hired me to come in and produce the contemporary service. And of course, coming from a technical background, I'm like, well, why isn't the technical department hiring me to do this? Um, it's just a weird, a weird structure that they have at St. Andrew. Um, I have, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that comes from the worship and tech background. So I think they're just wanting someone that could have both the lingo of the, the, the worship guys and the tech guys and be able to con communicate that, um, a little more effectively to get stuff done. Um, and, and also like I was helping with planning center and pro presenter and kind of making sure that the slides were right, you know, like all the admin type of stuff. And so I had the pleasure of doing that, um, up until around COVID hit. And then, uh, they actually transitioned me into the online worship and arts director producer role where basically I'm now over like helping out, not just traditional or I'm not just contemporary, but traditional and uh, helping program for anyone that's consuming the service behind a screen, which right now is a large portion of our um, congregation. Right. And we're going to talk about like your history, how you came to this, you know, all this stuff. Um, Cause you have a, 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 uh, a serpentine uh, life of getting to where you are now. And I definitely want to talk about that, but um, you know, I try not to talk about, you know, our, the whole COVID thing, but it's in just, it's impossible right now to not, cause it's changed church so much. Sure. Um, so, and I actually get comments on, well, Hey, it's really good to know what other churches are doing and, you know, knowing that um, this is upended 
other churches like it did our church when all this happened. So, um, so what are you guys doing right now? What's your, what's like, because you guys are in Texas. So the other, the other thing that's so funny about this is that every state uh, are, is completely different in the United Mm -hmm. States about how they're approaching this and what they're letting churches do and all this kind of stuff. So, and then you guys, well, every, every church has to do based on their population, who they serve, all those things. Right. So and, what, and, what are you guys kind of doing? What's your setup like right as of now? So we, uh, we're at limited capacity um, for in-person worship and we're doing like an RSVP thing. It, it's not like we won't have you if you want to come. It's like, we just need to make sure that we're, um, appropriately placing people in the room where social distancing is happening appropriately according to CDC guidelines. Um, And then also uh, if you're in the building at all, we uh, require, you know, proper mask. So uh, we do have limitations on what masks you can use. You have to use like the N or N95 mask or we we provide those if you don't have them. Um, And then you have to keep them on and, uh, we now allow, uh, singing along as long as your mask is on. Cause there was a period of time where there was, um, some you know, debate whether or not it's okay to sing because when you're singing, you're projecting and then it, you're, the distance needs to be bigger. And, you know, I, I'm not a science guy, so I'm, I'm just gonna wreck all of that. But, um, we are trying to do the best we can, um, keeping our, our folks safe. Right. If they want to come in. So uh, other than that, uh, we are offering our services online, traditional and uh, uh, contemporary. Um, And a lot of people, I have to say, are just, I think, enjoying uh, doing that format for the time being. I think there is still a general consensus of I'm not sure if it's safe to to go. And And I think a lot of folks probably have elderly uh, family members in close proximity. So it's probably right. best that they don't, you know, uh, get any type of exposure there. So, uh, right. but yeah, we're, we're heavy handed on worship, uh, online worship at the moment. What do you think? What do you guys think your percentages are like, we're like contemporary online versus contemporary in service, traditional online, traditional. I, service. I would say, I would say like 30, 70 is, is probably, uh, 30, 70%, I should say 30% is probably coming in, uh, indoors. And I, and I'm probably, I'm probably off a little bit. I want to say it's probably less than that. Um, now thinking through it, it's probably more like 20, 80. Um, but a good portion of our congregants are hopping online and, um, joining us in worship online. Right. And if you, what did you guys, did you, cause you had online before, right? Did you have online before of both services? Yeah. But that was, it was a very secondary thing that we, I mean, I probably even third area. It, it was way <laughs> down the list of things that we right. cared about. We were, we were on the, the move to start thinking about it anyways. Like broadcast was starting to become a, a, a topic of conversation of how do we improve our our, our worship experience for everybody, right, and right. Uh, broadcast was definitely <clears throat> high, getting higher on the list. And then you know once lockdowns happened, and then it was like, oh, this is the only way we can worship together. It was like, oh, now it's the top of the list. Right, and right, how exactly, do we go yeah. about you know taking care of that? Right. 
Yeah, that that's it's that's been very interesting. It's like instantaneously every church in America, no matter what size they were, had to become a video venue, mm -hmm. a, an online an online church. You know, and so it's been across the board, and not just you know. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people think it was just you know, you know, like the Calvary chapels and people like that, but it's been everything from you you know the methodists to presbyterians to catholics to and everybody in between the whole the whole big c church has had to just make a total you know shift on <laughs> what's important and uh you know all that kind of stuff so what do you guys do what's your what's your weekly um um like broadcast schedule and all that kind of stuff in your in your ser live services what do you guys do um so we have uh two traditional uh, service times. One's on Saturday night, one is early on Sunday morning, and then one contemporary, um, which is our 11 o'clock spot. So um, three three services. We're not adding any additional online services um, at the at the moment, but I would imagine given, you know, given what the future may like, the future is so ominous right now as to yeah. what is it going to look like when normal it, like surfaces again if it even does like there's there's a part of what, me i'm like what is normal <laughs> yeah i don't know it i don't know if if normal is ever coming back from this you know at least from how we were doing production in church and worship in church you know in 2019 i don't know if that if we go back to that right. um i there's a part of me that's nostalgic for what used to be so i'm always going to hope for that but there's the innovative side of me that's like okay bring it on Let's right. uh, let's find let's find how to do this. How, let's find how to get the gospel to as many people as possible, as efficiently as possible. Um, and while I think a lot of us would agree that online church um, isn't how church should be consumed, maybe you know there is a community aspect uh, that needs to be built, and maybe we can find a way to do that effectively online. I just don't know of that yet. Um, right. But I, 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 I do want to see people back in the same room together and and handshaking and hugging and sharing stories and whatnot. Not that you can't do that virtually, um, but I think there's an added aspect to doing that in person. And and I'm looking forward to the day where I can not have a mask on and I can smile at someone and see them smile back and I can walk across the, the lobby um, and give them a hug. I, right. I miss that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think in that, you know, I mean, you know, fellowship, we talk about fellowship all the time. Well, fellowship is in person. I mean, mm -hmm. you can do this. I mean, we're, you know, people know we do this. I, we, I record this podcast on, on zoom and uh, which is great because I'm in California, you're in Texas we can do this. And, you know, we've been, we've been fellowshipping for the last couple hours and having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. But now it would be better if we were sitting down and, you know, and, and you know, cause I, I, I was telling James, I said, I'm going to, I got to come to Texas so I can eat, um, uh, papacitos and, uh, and, tor and torchies. So uh, yeah, well, uh, papacitos are, are, quite possibly the best fajitas I've ever had in my life. Well, I, mean, I, I tell people all the time, Papacitos is the close See, because everybody knows that California, Southern Californians are snobby about their Mexican food. Sure. So for sure. Cause it's a different kind of Mexican food than anywhere else in the nation. Mm. Um, it's the best kind of Mexican food. Sorry, yeah. but it is, it's the best Mexican food. I and, um, every day. right. Papacitos is the closest thing to California Mexican food that there is in the nation. It is the closest thing. Cause it's not Tex-Mex. 
in Texas. It's not Tex-Mex at all. They do have some Tex-Mex-ish stuff, but the majority of their stuff is like traditional Southern California Mexican food. Yeah. You know, and the good news is, is since there's such a mass migration of Californians moving to Texas is we're starting to see like California taco stands pop up, California style taco stands, I should say. Um, You know, Texans probably aren't pumped about that. Um, I I, I say this, listen, um, uh, Texans will always be God, lower G God of barbecue. But Californians will always be king of Mexican food, man. There's 100%. Just no way around that. Like a good I, I al pastor taco at some hole in the wall taco shop in Southern California is always going to be home for me. Uh, yeah, I yeah. yeah, and it's it's probably good that I don't have access to it anymore because I'm able to watch my weight. But right. um, <laughs> well, there's yeah. no good. There's almost no good barbecue in Southern California. I mean. It's, it's very few far between. Yeah, for sure. yeah, we talk about it all the time. There's there's maybe two or three, maybe two or three restaurants up and down the whole West Coast that are that are okay, that are good. Yeah. You know, but nothing like nothing like, you know, because my I like I'm I'm an equal opportunity barbecue as long as it's really good. Sure. So like love, love uh Mexican or uh, uh barbecue in, in in Texas, love barbecue in Kansas City. Sure love barbecue you know i mean there's there's good barbecue and there's man there's good barbecue in uh, oklahoma city you sure. know so you just i'm as long as it's good but the yeah but if you go to the east coast mm, there's not really a lot of good barbecue and if you go to california man i can think of three restaurants off the top of my head that i've been at my whole and i've lived here my whole life and there's only about three that i can think of that have like really good barbecue do you remember yeah. love's barbecue oh yeah dude i miss i do miss that place I just yeah, you know, lo- loves is like this old Mexican restaurant. Now this is all of a sudden becoming the food show, but loves is like, there's a old, there was a really famous, a fast food Mexican restaurant here in California called noggles. Okay. And most people, if you're outside, you don't know it. Cause they did have a noggles in El Paso and they did have one in St. Louis for a minute. Uh, but it was bought by Del Taco. And uh, so the, all the good Del Taco food and people are laughing. They're going, there is no good Del, but there is uh, the good Del Taco meals uh, were actually noggles food okay but uh they started another noggles here in california oh my wife and i went there for our anniversary last year and it was down at the beach and my wife was like okay do we just love this because we remember noggles or is this actually what noggles tasted like sure because we haven't eaten in noggles for like 30 years so how can we even remember what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this tastes like so loves is like that too to me i'm like well if they started loves again and they had all the same stuff and we go man this is great just like i remember but would we really remember <laughs> right well and i'm afraid i'm afraid too if they opened it back up and i went after just right bathing in texas barbecue for the last couple of years yeah, like will it actually be good to me or is I don't it think so live off the nostalgia you know ride that wave well californians <laughs> think that dickies is good barbecue and i'm sorry it's terrible Dude, oh, here's something. I thought that before we left. I got here and then I realized really quickly that Dickies is the McDonald's of barbecue in Texas. Yeah. Okay, I, I, it's fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I and like I'd rather eat I'd rather eat barbecue at Lucille's than eat barbecues at, at Dickies. And I don't and Lu, Lucille's is like they have great uh burn-ins, but other than that, mm, don't care. Anyway, so that's enough of the cooking show. All right. <laughs> no, uh, this is what I've learned about you and me. We could rabbit trail for 10 hours. 
So I mean, <laughs> if if we didn't have a harsh time limit today, we'd probably hit that mark. I know, right? So yeah. hey, so tell me about so how did you get into how'd you get into worship and tech? Because you're a musician as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and uh so how it's kind of tell me you know, what's your story, what's your your uh your journey to get where you are right now? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So I uh grew up in a Christian school and uh, junior high got invited to youth group. And uh I didn't my my household I wasn't really brought up in like the uber Christian household so um my parents knew that they wanted a Christian education for me. And so um, when I got asked to go to youth group, they didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it was. And then I showed up and it was amazing. Um, And I played guitar since I could remember. I think eight years old, I started playing and primarily played country music. And when the youth pastor found out that I played guitar, he goes, you should bring your guitar and be a part of the youth band. I'm like, I can do that. So I brought my guitar and fell in love. I, I, I loved worship music. It, it, it was now being older and, and seeing how God uses people. It is um, unmistakably God's call to my life that he just grabbed me and pulled me in. And ever since then, I've been doing worship in some former, you know, capacity. Um, and then uh, fast forward to, you know, post-college, pre-college, during college, whatever. Um, I, ended up at High Desert Church in Victorville, California, and uh, got a call from a buddy who was a drummer there and said, hey, we need a guitar player for Easter. Um, would you want to play? And I we, we played at a, another church at one point, and usually at High Desert, they'd have like auditions and you'd have to try out. And he just put a good word in for me. And they were so hard up for a, a guitar player that I, I got past it, you know? So I showed up and at the time I was in a rock band. So, you know, I had like a half stack and a bunch of rack <laughs> gear and I did not look like the typical worship guy, you know, walking in. And I'm, I'm pretty sure the worship pastor at the time, his name is Matt Colomb, Um, He probably looked at me and was like, Oh man, I gambled on this and this is not <laughs> what I wanted. And luckily, luckily I did okay. And he called me back and got involved there and um, I needed a job. And uh, one of the tech guys at HTC uh, uh, at the time offered me a part-time gig to do tech. And uh, I loved it. I excelled at it because I understood how things should sound from a musician standpoint and had a lot of time to develop my skills at HDC. And, um, and, uh, luckily, you know, luckily had a lot of time working with, uh, peers that cared too. Um, yeah, you have a good team up there. I mean, Jake Barber and all yeah, yeah. And and, and I do, I do need to say that I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for Jake and, uh, Jake has not just been an incredible manager, but he's been, um, a mentor, and uh, like an older brother that I never had. And um, everything I do today is is really a, a big, as far as like decisions that I make and, and, and how I go about things is, has been direct directly influenced by him. And uh, so that's just what I did. And I did this hybrid role at HDC where if I wasn't behind the console mixing or producing the service, I was on stage playing guitar. <clears throat> and sometimes they were crazy enough to let me uh, co-lead with some other worship leaders. And uh, I'll, I will say 
music and worship leading is where my heart is all the time. And, um, a close second is, is technical production. Right. So what did you, what was your prime, what did you primarily do, uh, uh, in tech? Did you, or you, you primarily mixed? Yeah. Yeah. Front of house. Yeah. Front of house was kind of where I, where I lived. I, I loved it. And then, you know, I, I would help out doing producing. We're just making sure that everything was happening on time, getting on comms and calling out what's going on and making sure band members aren't messing around in the green room when they should be prepped on, on the stage. And just knowing that the songs, as well as I did, I knew when to prep certain people, let the pastor know that it's almost time to go on and just kind of that kind of stuff. Menial, menial stuff now when I look back, but I was having the time of my life. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, so then uh, a couple of years ago, you guys, you and your wife decided you wanted to move to Texas. What was the, what was the journey on that? Yeah. So, um, my wife and I, uh, visited a friend out here in uh, we're, we're we actually live in McKinney which is just north of Dallas by about 30 minutes and uh our friends moved out here because they had a job opportunity back in 2015 2014 2015 and uh we visited them and fell in love with the area i mean beautiful area i mean obviously the smell of barbecue just permeating the air <laughs> and um how nice genuinely nice everyone was um it was just different it's just a different thing. And, and my wife and I were born and raised in Southern California. And so just, I think we needed a, a, a change difference in, in life. And so we started visiting over and over, over the course of two years. And, and throughout those two years, we decided, I think our next chapter of life is going to be in North Texas, the Dallas area and uh, prayed very fervently. Um, Lord, if you want us there, you're going to have to open some doors and kick us through it. And, uh, boy, did he do that? Uh, uh, we, and, and I, I don't know if you've ever moved, but it's, it's the worst thing. I hate moving. <laughs> I, I never want to move again. Um, yeah. but, uh, in the course of four weeks, we, uh, both got a job, both bought a house and moved to Dallas from Southern California in four weeks. And, um, there are just moments of, I didn't even know what emotions I was experiencing, <laughs> yeah. um, but there were waves and waves of emotions where I would just sit alone and be like, I don't know what the heck is going on right now. I don't know <laughs> if I want to laugh or cry or like be angry, but like things are happening. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, luckily we found our way out here and we're doing, we're doing great. My, she's a school teacher and she's, she's working at a local school here. And I've been, I've been at St. Andrew and it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, what's um, the, how do you interact? I mean, cause you're more, you're, you're kind of a hybrid. Your, your job is kind of a hybrid. So you, you're part of the worship staff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, Technically but you, but on you the work, worship department, but yeah. you work with the tech department, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how does, how does that, what, what does that look like? And what, um, what encouragement can you give to, to, uh, people about, about having a good relationship between those two departments? Mm. You know, what, what are the benefits? I, you know, I would say the, the biggest thing to understand about those two ministries is you have you have two ministries that operate in two different ways. Your technical department is always head and your worship department is always heart. 
And if you can understand how to approach those differently, you will find the greatest amount of success possible. Um, you know, I, for me being a musician, I always feel like everything I do is an extension of my body. So you tell me it sucks. It's like, you're telling me I'm ugly. And while that's still true, you know, like I, I understand <laughs> that it still hurts. Yeah. Um, whereas the technical side of my brain, if I'm doing something and it ain't right, tell me, I want to fix it. I want to troubleshoot it. It needs to be corrected, right? There's like right. zero emotion about it. Like, let's fix it. Let's move on. And so there's this weird like duality that I live in uh, where I'm fully feeling and I'm fully thinking at the same time. And I probably don't do either one really well, but um, I understand it well enough where I can talk to those two ministries in their own like specific needs. Um, the the greatest advice I can give to anyone who's working from, from like a worship perspective to a, a technical guy, the technical guy is it's not driving is be gracious and communicate, just communicate. Like whenever you think it's time to just shut up and stop is really the time that you need to communicate more. And the opposite is true when when you're in a technical world and you're just finding friction with your worship leader, worship pastor, um, listen. Don't keep communicating. Just listen and and let him let him flush out what he's needing to flush out, and then find ways to support him. Right, because they're 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 just coming at ministry in two very different ways, and and um, you kind of have to adapt. And if you're the middle guy like me, if you find yourself like having to be the the buffer, you know, it's just no, it's gonna be frustrating. <laughs> there are times where I'm just like, gosh, why can't we get this a synergy happening here? Right, and it's just because you have two very different personalities that think of things two totally different ways that you have to find a way to make it work and right. be patient with with it. You know, it, it'll happen over time, but you have to develop trust on both sides. And once yep. you have that trust, then then things start to to happen, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I I think there's very few. Like I'm a verbal processor, and so I. I think that's one of the reasons I always got along so good with worship pastors is because most, most worship pastors are verbal processors. They're thinking right. through, uh, but I, but I learned that uh, you have to have a, you have to let the creative just go, let it go for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And then when they're just all done, <laughs> when they're tired, then you can kind of reel it back and, and go, okay, well, here's what we can do. Right. Exactly. These exactly. are all amazing things. Yeah. When they say, Hey, what if we bring in a hundred foot led wall? Right? right. Just know that that's not going to happen. Right. Like just <laughs> let them talk it out because it, it, it the, the worst thing you could do at that moment is just scream at them. Like, right. even though it's warranted, you're like a hundred foot right. LED wall. Like I get that. Yeah. Just let them flush it out, man. Just let them yeah. do their thing. And and at, at some point they'll come to the logical end of uh, their idea and uh, it'll be okay. Yeah. It's the, um, you know, people that listen to the podcast they know that at one point in time I was on a staff where the creatives called me the dream killer. <laughs> and uh, I really like rattled my cage because they were doing it. Like they, nobody told me this. I heard it. Like it was like a, 
you know, they didn't say it to me openly. That's why I knew it was real, you know, and uh, I really had to stop. I mean, really had to stop and redo how we did our meetings. Cause I said, look, I don't want you guys to think I'm a dream killer. Cause I'm not right. It's just, I know it can actually be executed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, you're, you're not wanting to you know, leave them out, out to dry. You yeah. know, at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is is you want to be a good support to them. Right. And, and I think too, um, yeah, like what you were saying, it's very true. You have to, you have to figure out what you have to listen long enough to understand what the essence of what is trying to be accomplished by a, by creative people. It's not always just the thing that they're saying. So what, so you got hundred foot led wall. Great. But what are you trying to accomplish? Like what's the end game? That's right. And then we can kind of meet those two things in the middle. And right. And- it's rarely, it rarely do they know exactly what they want to do. They just know what they feel like they want to accomplish. Right. And the, and a technical person's job is to get to the heart of that mm-hmm. and then take the resources that you have and say, okay, well, these are the resources that we have. This is how we can integrate that. Let's talk about integrating those two things together. Yeah. And that doesn't get talked about a lot. That's, that's, the, and I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of, uh, you know, tech people are so frustrated, you know, yeah, uh, I with, think- with creative people. To, to, to breathe like a little fresh air into the situation is uh, whenever you're frustrated with the worship guy because he's not communicating right or he's just over promising and under delivering or whatever it is, you have to understand that y'all are going, uh, you, you're serving together, right? You're wanting to accomplish the same thing. And that's life change in the people that are there, right? You're wanting them to experience Jesus more. You're wanting them to feel more comfortable so that they can worship, right? At the end of the day, our call is to is to is to help ministry happen. And just know that sometimes the worship guy is probably feeling all this pressure to pull this magic moment out of uh, out of thin air. Right. And and so he's just throwing creative gibberish at the wall hopefully something will stick, you know, and something will make sense. And so in those moments, um, it's best not to take it personally or like, oh man, this worship leader doesn't understand. He's making my already 70 hour a week job, a hundred hour a week job. And I'm going to have to hire out for this, that, and like, he doesn't know that. And, um, and, and just, those are great opportunities to come alongside him and just say, let's stop talking in the specifics of what you think. And what do we want to accomplish together? What can we accomplish together? And uh, th- I think those conversations are really fruitful. And and one, it, it shows your heart as a servant and it shows grace in the moment, but it also, I think, develops some really great bonds between you and the worship guy. And, and the same thing, I mean, if, if this was a worship podcast, I w- I'd be saying this in the, in, in the inverse, you know, is that... The, the reality is we're arm in arm at the front lines of ministry with each other. Um, let's find a way to, to put our heads together, our hearts together and work for the greater good. And um, that's kind of just where I am. That's what I like to I, quote unquote preach, you know, it's lack of a better term, but right. it's possible. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to have to do a part two of this. Uh, I realized that very quickly. Uh, <laughs> 
but uh um as i was i was telling james before this uh you guys have all heard this that we're gonna there, we have a couple of new podcasts that are starting um and one of them is going to be a, like a roundtable discussion kind of a, a church tech weekly uh ish kind of a thing um that we're going to do on youtube by the way so you guys can actually comment live if you know if you want to and ask questions and all this kind of stuff so that one will actually be on youtube although it'll be a podcast um you know the rest of these are just podcast only because you know we have faces for radio a lot of us but uh you know at least i do but um uh we're definitely gonna have to well definitely have to get you back on and uh um uh, I should have recorded earlier, but you know, honestly, uh, a lot of what we were talking about, I don't really want to broadcast. <laughs> it was all really good stuff, but I don't, but you know, I think it was just a, just a good conversation between the two of us. Yes. But, uh, what's, uh, so, so, so what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing for Easter? We just have a couple, we have a couple more minutes. So what are you guys doing for Easter? What's, what's going to be the plan for that? And is there anything special you're going to do, uh, live that you're not doing broadcast or are you just doing everything the yes. same or what are you uh, doing? we're treating online as online only and we're treating in person as in person only so uh we're running out a local stadium in frisco texas called the rough rider stadium it's uh like a double a baseball field um and uh we're gonna rent that out and do live there um as much as my inner tech stomach is turning at the thought of having to be outside <laughs> and then be in a stadium because we all know that the the AVL in those situations is just horrendous. Uh, we do have a, a good company that we're using to kind of bring out some some big boy guns to make that happen. And then um, online, we're actually going to start recording that soon. Um, and we're going to just put it together like a professional, like the there there when i say like professional what i what i'm really meaning by that is we're we're wanting the end user to feel like that whole service was for them only right um so uh so yeah the way that we're programming that the way that we're producing that is really um not trying to mimic an online on campus service but really more importantly this is this is easter for you in your living room and this is from us to you, and we're going to celebrate uh, one of the most important holidays of the church calendar. So, cool. And then, 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 uh, the, you're doing the stadium so that you can socially distant and have That's enough right. room have and people. have, every, yeah. And it's, gonna, since it's open, it's an open right. stadium, and so hopefully weather will be great. Yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to properly do that because all the seats are like bolted into the concrete and we can't move those around too much, but right. we have, a, an amazing facilities director and, um, and she's going to, obviously she probably already has it mapped out, but where we can get the maximum amount of people in and still keep them safe. Um, right. I'm, I'm very excited to see how this works out. We've done back at high desert. We, we rented out a, a stadium a couple of times and that was just a nightmare. So I, I, I was having like flashbacks to that and I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about this. Yeah. Um, but I really think it, it now's the time to try all, all the things, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stadiums are, stadiums are interesting. I used to do a lot of stadiums of the like baseball state, like that kind of stadiums back, back years ago. And was always very interesting. Um, well, well, how many services are you going to do at the stadium? Just one, or are you just going to, or are you going to do a couple or what are you going to uh, do? We're going to do a couple. So, uh, one's going to be traditional and one's going to be contemporary. We're still, uh, doing that. Um, 
Yeah, so you don't, I, so you don't blend the services even on even on the Christmas and Easter. So right, you keep no, no. I mean, we do the the weekend after Christmas. You know, when everyone is just just petered out. Um, we'll do like a one service on Sunday morning. Right. And it's kind of a blended. It's it really what it is is traditional with acoustic guitar. <laughs> and um, yeah. and and really we do that just because um the traditional folks really love their traditional music. And I think contemporary people are just more of like a, eh, whatever I I'll go to church. And, and, and that's not an indictment on either one. Let me just say like, no, I have a profound appreciation for, for both of those attitudes. Um, but it works great for us. And, um, we don't do it. Like I said, we don't, I don't think we do it any other time except for the weekend after Christmas, but, um, but Easter is a different thing altogether traditional folks want their traditional liturgical view of, of Easter. And then the contemporary people, they, they want their, their contemporary, you know, death was arrested type of, of service. Yep. Yep. For sure. Cool. Well, we are definitely going to have to do this again very, very soon. Uh, James and I could talk all day long. We found out. So (laughs) that's a good thing. So I think I'd actually rather just get on a plane, come to Texas and have some barbecue and we'll do it that way the next time. I'm always looking forward to opportunities to go have more barbecue. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I'm trying to think of what the, uh, what's the one downtown, um, that we go to. Some people are probably going to kill me now, but uh, the one downtown is Pecan Lodge. Yeah. And then there's one that they always have musical acts. Well, they probably have musical acts in all of them. I can't think of who it is. Gosh, what is it? What is the name of that? Part eight. Now, um, you, you go in and you go all the way to the back to get your food. And then you come back out in the front and, uh, and I'll think, I'll think of it later because there's so many good restaurants there, but Lockhart. Anyway. Lockhart's that's what it is. Lockhart's okay. that's where we go every time. Yeah. Oh that's boy. Good, uh, Lockhart's Lockhart's good barbecue. I, I, I think barbecue. I know of a place that will just knock your, knock your socks off. Though. All right. Well, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm absolutely for it. So anyway, well, James, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Um, and, uh, just, um, we'll put all, we'll put all his, uh, his, uh, socials in the uh, show notes over at the soundbooth.com or, uh, churchcheckprofiles.com. So, Everybody uh, go to the socials, do the things you, everybody knows. I say it all the time. Just go like subscribe, everything like that. Go to iTunes, give a five-star review. I know you don't you listen to this on iTunes, but go there anyway to the podcast app and do that and say nice things. And if you don't have anything nice to say about the podcast, then don't say anything. Just give a five-star review and go on with your day. So, <laughs> you know, it's about the algorithms and the thing and the thought and the thing. Everybody knows. Everybody hears it on every podcast. So I, I just, you know, whatever. You know what to do and when to do it. You know what to do and when to do it. I, you're all smart. You're all smart people, you know. So anyway. All right. Well, you are loved. Um, you're not alone in this. Just remember that. I know that I say that every week, but you are all not alone in the tech booth. There are literally millions of people doing exactly the same thing you guys are doing every week. And we're all one tribe, one big community serving one good purpose. So be encouraged, have a good week, and we'll talk to you later.